quick note before the episode begins. I've decided that with longer interview episodes like this one, I'm going to start breaking them up into two parts. Just because guest episodes have double the amount of audio and then usually take almost triple the amount of time to edit because I have to coordinate the audio tracks and clean stuff and all that. So I usually either have to really grind out some hours to get these released normally or I have to delay the episodes for a long time and I don't like doing either of those things so I've decided to kind of find a compromise and just break the episodes up into two parts. I think doing this will just make editing these episodes more manageable and make it so my guests don't have to wait around forever to hear their interview actually come out. So this is a new format I'm going to try using moving forward. I won't do this with every episode, just the ones that are longer interviews that I feel deserve being two parts. And also a quick note about my mic during this episode. For whatever reason it starts off sounding kind of tinny, but as the episode continues my mic stops having this problem so for whatever reason at the beginning of the episode my mic sounds a little funny just so you know okay enjoy Welcome to a new episode of the podcast. With me today are Kiwi and Moglar. Welcome to the show, you guys. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. And the reason why I wanted to bring you two guys on as a guest is because for the past you know year or so I've been doing this, one question comes up a lot. I see in the forums or on Reddit or whatever, and a lot of people end up asking, how do you get good at shmups? Or what is that process like? And of course, when people ask such a broad question sometimes it's like okay dude there's a lot that goes into this so yeah i thought let's make an episode here that really digs into this topic and kind of fleshes it out as much as possible at least and i think you two are really great guests for this because from my perspective it seems like you guys are just kind of like just kind of showed up to the shmup somewhat recently and are just killing it so thank you yeah you guys want to start (laughs) off kind of just talking about your background with how long you've been playing shmups and how you got introduced to the scene. Okay. Yeah, I've been playing for about three years. I first started with the scene with Toho, specifically Toho 7. Played through a bunch of those, went with Lunatic all the way, and then went to Mushi. And then I got really into indie games, like uh, Blue Revolver and Devil Engine. And that's where I'm kind of at at the moment. Yeah. Okay. So you started with Toho. How did that happen? How did you discover Toho? I'm sure I wasn't the only one who searched World's Hardest Final Boss a couple times as a kid. And uh, I just happened to find the Toho 6 Extra Stage Boss. And I was just really interested in it. 
because it looked so different from all the games I would play that I could never really figure out what game it was, where to download it, etc. Right. I, mean, I was just a kid. I didn't know how to find a lot of things online. And jump forward to me one night being bored in 2016. I tried to find the game. I got it, although I got Toho 7 by mistake. But I, <laughs> Close enough. I really enjoyed it anyways. And uh, from the first time I started up the game, I went with lunatic difficulty and just never went down because I just really enjoyed the challenge. Holy crap. And um, I just kept going till I cleared it. And I don't really think I've ever felt so satisfied from improving and beating a game before Toho 7. So after that, I just kind of kept going with uh, Shmup. You never played on normal or easy or even... You just went straight to lunatic? Yeah. Wow. Well, I wouldn't say never because I got up to the final boss before and then I took a break, cleared normal really quick for like just uh, as a break and then went back to Lunatic. But yeah, I played Lunatic pretty much exclusively. I'll move on to Moglar. So Moglar, how did you first get introduced to Shmups? Well, it was also with Toho. I started really playing the games a bit in mid 2017. Unlike Kiwi, I was mainly playing normal though. <laughs> I think like a, a couple, like a year or two before, I might have also tried Toho 6, but I didn't really play it that much. Focus wasn't working for some reason or something like that. Oh, know. yeah. But then like a year later, I got back into it. I got normal 1cc in pretty much all the Windows games pretty quickly somewhat quickly over the span of like a couple months. What is your story similar with finding Toho? How did you find it? I think I always just knew about Toho, <laughs> but yeah. never really played it that often or watched it. I just knew it existed for some reason. I just, I guess that the name does kind of go around. Yeah. yeah. I remember being aware of Toho before. So here's an interesting thing to think about. So what were your guys' experiences with shmups before you really got them? For example, when I grew up, I played Raiden 2 in the arcade, and I thought it was pretty cool, but then I just kind of forgot about shmups for years and years, and then I knew about Ikaruga, played that a little bit, but then just kind of, you know, was whatever about it for a really long time until I played DDP. Did you guys have a, a similar kind of awareness of shmups, or, you know what I mean, what was that period like before you really got into them? Um, To be honest, I didn't really know about shmups at all. Like, I didn't know any of the big names, like Raiden, Ikaruga, stuff like that. I just kind of found it by searching on YouTube for Hardest Boss. So I was, like, introduced to a completely new new world once I figured out about it. That's interesting. Not super surprising with uh, the decline in arcades and stuff. Did you go to arcades a lot as a kid or anything like that? Um, no, not really. Although I did like a lot of retro games like uh, Pac-Man, stuff like that, Donkey Kong. But I was never really into them. I just liked playing the upright. Right, yeah. So I guess that the closest thing I could say I had to shmup experience was Galaga. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that too. How about you, Moglar? Did you have a similar experience? I think when I was like four or five, on the PS2 there was 1941 on it, I believe that was the game. I think the titles might be longer than that, but I don't remember the full thing. 
I played that a lot on there, actually. I think it was like my favorite game on there. Nice. <laughs> when I was like five, but then I ended up forgetting about it, I guess. Forgot about like playing shmups for a while, I guess. Yeah. Did you have any kind of incidental run-ins with shmups before really diving into those Toho games where maybe you went over to friends and they're playing some shmup or randomly come across one? Besides uh, the game on that Capcom collection, not really. Yeah. From what I remember, at least. Once you guys started with Toho, I guess I want to walk through what those initial experiences were like, especially Kiwi, since he's just going straight to Lunatic. What, what was that like? <laughs> it took me quite a while to be able to, like a, a couple days to be able to beat the first level without dying. I think I still had to use bombs and stuff like that. But, um... I didn't understand any of the fundamentals. So the very first enemies in Toho 7, they shoot bullets that are aimed away from you so you can just stand still and not have to worry about it. I'd be like going all over the screen, screen filling up with bullets. Yeah. It took me a while to actually figure out a lot of the basics like tap dodging and stuff like that. So I didn't really want to go down in difficulty because this was kind of what I saw in the videos. I just really wanted to do that. So I just kind of learned it as I as I went. Okay, so you're struggling against Lunatic, and yeah, you don't really have a lot of fundamentals. I remember doing this too in DDP, where I'm just sweeping side to side with the laser. That was like my go-tos, back and forth with the laser. Yeah. Okay, so you're struggling, and it's just throwing all this shit at you. What was your process of, okay, how do I actually figure this shit out and get better? Did you just throw yourself at the game or did you have some other ideas of what to do yeah for the most part i just kind of threw myself at the game until i figured stuff out i did a lot of stage practice to memorize a lot of the enemy spawns and stuff like that figure out where the bullets are coming from and i started to realize that there's actually a that you actually have to pay attention to where you're shooting where you are on the screen to be able to make sure that the the screen doesn't get flooded with bullets so I just kind of figured out how important routing is, all these basic stuff. Just kind of went from there. And how about you, Moglard? What was your experience like when you were first just kind of tackling the genre? With Toho, I definitely never could grasp the concept of streaming for some reason. <laughs> Took me a while so, to. But I don't think I really did much routing, really. Well, I probably like, figured out good strategies after like doing a few credits in each game yeah usually i think i'd just do runs maybe a bit of stage, stage practice not much though i think that's an enjoyable way to play even now like with new games that i haven't played much usually i won't do too much practice unless there's a big problem spot that i need to check out i'll just do runs over and over yeah, I've kind of shifted to doing that a little more too, where before I'd always stage by stage it with a shmup, like a new one, I'd yeah. stage by stage, but now I'm whatever, I'll just credit feed for a while, just to kind of know what I'm getting myself into a little better. So during those times, it doesn't sound like you guys, did you have any sort of external guides you sought out or external materials or did you do any research, I guess, about the genre or did you just focus on the games that you were playing? In Toho, I don't think I did. I primarily just did everything myself, but once I started to run into things that I just didn't understand how to dodge, 
I decided to look up some replays, but fair amount of the routing was myself. That's really interesting. And it's interesting that you two have such commonalities between your approaches to the game, because mine was a little different, where I get to stage, I think it was four in Dodonpachi, which is just kind of like where the difficulty wall starts. Yeah. There's got to be a trick. So I'm like looking up online, trying to find like, what's the trick? What's the guide or whatever? And that's how I found Prometheus's guide. So my strategy was find as much external information as possible and try and come up with a game plan. So it didn't sound like you guys did anything like that. Yeah, I usually just learn on my own. Interesting. I should have asked this earlier. Okay, before you're into shmups, what was your gaming background like? What were you into before shmups that might have influenced how you approached the games? Oh, go ahead, Kiwi. To be honest, I didn't really do a whole lot of competitive or really challenging games, but I still like the challenge. The The hardest parts of some of the classic Nintendo games, those always be my favorite parts. I didn't really have any kind of competitive way to apply my love for this, uh, this challenge in games until I found out about Shmup. So I was basically just playing uh, Legend of Zelda, Mario, and uh, Smash, stuff like that. Smash was definitely my favorite because I could actually, it was something I felt like I could get better at. Did you play Melee? A little bit. I don't know why, but I don't, I don't actually remember much of Melee. I just remember um, 64 and Wii. Oh, yeah. Didn't get a GameCube, maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know what happened there. So how about you, Moglar? Before playing Shmups, what was your background like with games? Well, a couple of years before getting into Shmups, I was into speedrunning. I was doing that for pretty much the entire time until I really got into Shmups. Even after I got into Toho, when I started getting into Katsui, really, though, I kind of dropped speedrunning, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Just, actually, just the... Oh, go ahead. No, I can't believe I forgot this. I actually did speedrun Super Mario Sunshine for a little while. Huh. I got a 124 in that, but like, like you bad. said, I dropped it once I got into Shmup. And so with your guys' background in speedrunning, because I kind of did some speedrunning too with Super Metroid back in the day, and I felt like a lot of those concepts that I learned did kind of transfer over to Shmups in some ways. Did you guys have a similar experience there? Speedrunning and shmups are fairly similar in how you should go about playing them, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that a lot of speedrunners, if they tried out shmups, probably see a lot of carryover between their basic skills of learning routes and stuff like that, once they got down the basics. Right. This is still a question that continues to think about why aren't speedrunners more interested in shmups. I have in the past made a pretty focused effort of trying to bring over more speedrunners into shmups and with mixed results so <laughs> a lot of them probably just don't know about them yeah and i do wonder too or know very very little yeah that's true and i do wonder too this is this is a theory i have of maybe the speedrunning community from what i've interacted with is kind of divided up where there are the speedrunners who are like the types of players who are really into the you know, hardcore aspects of playing the games, cutting the times, the techniques, like they're really into the gameplay side of it. And then there's a large part of the speedrunning audience that's more about kind of the community and the like enjoyment of the games. And they, they take a more casual approach to speedrunning, I guess you could say. 
Definitely. And I'm wondering if maybe that audience, the guys who are like really into the hardcore stuff, getting really their time's really low and all that kind of thing, if they're actually the, the target audience for shmups rather than more casual runners, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be interesting to see someone try to reach out to one of them and introduce the concept of shmups and scoring. Yeah, and there have been a few people who've joined my Discord who were, you know, speedrunners first and stuff. So it does happen. It's just, I don't know, I imagined that a speedrunner would just play shmup and it'd be like, oh, but <laughs> <laughs> that, that doesn't seem to happen very often. Okay, so getting back to your guys' experiences. So you're introduced to Toho, and I feel like this is a concept that I've made up in my mind. Maybe other people have experienced something similar of the wall of difficulty where in a shmup, for me, I can very clearly identify in DOJ it was stage three and DDP was stage four, where the difficulty ramps up and you feel like, oh shit, I can't actually beat this. I'm stuck. I can't go any further. Did you guys run into something like that? That kind of wall where you feel you're just running up against something that's impossible to beat? Sometimes. I know that I experienced a couple of smaller walls on a stage three and stage six of Toho 7. Because some of Margatroid's attacks are just at really weird angles, and I just wasn't equipped to handle with it at the time. And um, six, I was just really bad at the boss in general. So those, I don't really think I definitely got over. I just kind of lucked my way through them right. or uh, bombed. But Ikaruga was that was a game that I could just not touch, no matter how hard I tried for a long time. So I guess maybe that would be a, a better example. I could see that. I could see how that would be. Because Ikaruga seems like the type of shmup where you really got to know your crap. It's like there's less room for reaction and reflexes and stuff. Yeah. That would be, from my experience anyway, with it. I spent a long time before being able to get uh, past stage two. Yeah, with the with the boxes and the... I don't know that yeah. the weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that I that section drives me crazy to this day. I only played Ikaruga for like an hour or something, but yeah, I couldn't get past stage two at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just dropped that game until way later when I was better. Yeah, it's an interesting game because it doesn't feel difficult, but for some reason, you're for me when I'm playing it, it's not like playing those later cave stages where you're like this is out of control, dying anyway. It's like what is going yeah. on here? That's I how I feel mean, about actually, that game. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it doesn't feel difficult, but you're getting killed all the time. So how about you, Moglar? Did you ever run into the, a wall or experience? Because I think a lot of players, especially people coming to the genre, experience this wall that kind of prevents them from really getting into it too much. Not really, I think, but probably because I had never really played any modes that were like too far above what I could do. In Katsui, maybe I would have experienced it a bit. I remember like early on, uh, it was pretty rare for me to get to stage four even. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Stage four is where uh, it starts to get crazy. And I couldn't even make it there. Um, and then uh, even back then, though, with Katsue, I was always scoring. So I didn't really feel like there was a big wall. I was just improving my score, improved my survival. I was just a bonus. So that's actually interesting to me. You started off scoring right away. Yeah, you two are crazy. You start off on lunatic mode, and he starts off scoring Ketsui. <laughs> and then here's me doing, like, the most save-scummy, low-scoring DDP runs. <laughs> like a total scrub. 
I get my first DDP one all. I post it on the forum, and the score is so low, they don't even accept it. They're like, sorry, the score is too low. I'm like, <laughs> wow. Damn. <laughs> that's, that's pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. They got rid of that, but that was a thing for a while where if your score was so low, they wouldn't even accept it. So it's just wow. insulting. That's, yeah, that's sad. You even got a one all, and you couldn't get it. Yeah. That. Well, my one all was, like I said, I'm just bombing all over the place. Like, just because DDP, if you bomb and stuff, you're, you're not getting any score. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys ever have moments, it doesn't sound like it, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Did you guys ever have moments of, okay, fuck this genre, this is get, this is too much, I feel like I'm not progressing, I feel like I'm stuck, everyone's so good and I suck, I want to quit. Did you guys ever have moments like that? Well, I wouldn't quite say that I had anything like that, but Mushihime-sama Ultra was always a huge goal for me. I still haven't done it because done it I haven't put in the time yet. So... I just like practice the TLB a lot, like 60 to 100 hours of just TLB practice because I really wanted to be ultra. And if I wanted to do that, then I had to beat the TLB. Yeah. So after a long time of doing that, I took a short break, like a, a month or two, because I was just like, okay, this is, this is ridiculously hard. But after that break, I just couldn't stop thinking about shmups. I just had to come back and I uh, eventually figured out how to beat that boss, and I haven't really been on a on a break since. Yeah, I can see that. It's interesting how, because I did that a bit with Hibachi. Like, I, I put off practicing against Hibachi for a long time. I was like, no, I don't want to feel like a loser, so I'm going to put that off for a long time. But <laughs> eventually I said, okay, if I'm going to be serious about this, I need to start practicing it. And I feel like just even practicing against Hibachi, you know, hundreds of hours like you did, improved my skills overall because it's just throwing so much stuff at you and you have to really be on your toes and you start to really learn how to read patterns better and stuff. Yeah. I also really like just grinding TLBs for some reason. I don't know what it is about TLBs, but I have like 50 hours in Doom maybe and I've still never made it to the arrow loop. Well, it is a lot of fun. I remember you posting on Shmupslam that, that video of you completely wrecking Doom. Yeah, I got I got a no miss no bomb. <laughs> That's freaking crazy. That must be a good feeling though. I imagine like if you yeah. could beat the TLB, so it's like I just got to get through these stages and then I can no miss no bomb doom. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could do that with Hibachi. I I really wish I could. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, in a run, it <laughs> there's no way it's gonna go that smoothly. Yeah, at least I not on like my first before I get a or a two all. Probably gonna be fucking shaking unless I have like five lives entering somehow. Oh my gosh! I remember when I had a run. It was not even that long ago. Of I felt like here it is because I've been working on the two all for a year now, pretty much. Here it is. This is the run. My hands all of a sudden they went numb. I was like, oh god, I can't even. I like I couldn't even move my ship anymore. It was the most. And I was streaming it. I was like, oh, turn off the stream. This is the most embarrassing. I think I died three times in one minute. It was like boom, boom, boom. Run over. Ah. That was the biggest choke in history right there.
so Mogwire, did you have a moment like that? The genre is just way too much for you or anything like that? No, I don't think so, really. I've experienced times where, like, I feel like I'm not progressing really that much, so I have to take a break. I feel like I'm, I might kind of be at, at that right now with Katsui. Might have to take a small break. I think I might go play uh, Destiny mode a bit. That's a fun mode. Yeah, it is. So it's really interesting because it sounds like for you guys, it's just been kind of, at this point, it's just been kind of an upward climb of just steady improvement. Does that sound about right? Um, I don't really think that I've plateaued yet because there there's some things that I couldn't do not too long ago that I've been doing lately. For the life of me, I could not beat Crimson Clover Arcade Original. And then recently I went back to it and, and uh, tried to beat that game and then I beat it in four days. And then in four days I got to the TLB on Unlimited so I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm doing a lot better now. You already got to the TLP. Yeah. What a beast. I played Crimson Clover, I think it was two months ago, for a, a shmup club. And yeah, I got through novice mode pretty pretty well, so I was like, okay, let's do arcade mode. And I think I've gotten to stage four in arcade mode, and I was like, wow, arcade mode is much more difficult than I imagined. <laughs> arcade mode yeah. is a completely different beast. Yeah, it is. Novice is really damn easy in comparison. I knew there'd be a jump up in gap, like in skill, but it's like it's a pretty high jump from novice to arcade. Yeah, it's really novice. ridiculous. Yeah, I think novice is a, a tad bit too easy. That's a good transition. So you guys, it sounds like you guys didn't really have that period of floundering around, getting whipped by these by the genre too much. Which I think is maybe, it's probably unusual, but it's also you guys are extremely good players, so it makes sense. So I guess what I want to ask you now is, while you're improving, how did, did you have any kind of moments where you felt like things were starting to click or concepts starting to click with you and they really stood out to you as, oh, I know how this works now, I know how this works? I don't know. I think that I started to realize a lot of things once I went from Toho to Mushi because cave shmups are a lot different than Toho. Just right. arcade shmups in general. So I think that once I was kind of done with Toho, I just learned a lot of skills that I never learned from those games. Like uh, being able to dodge through a lot closer bullets and just having a lot, a much different kind of difficulty. Get a little bit into, okay, so you, you play Toho, you're destroying it on Lunatic, and then you go over to Mushi. What were the things that you remember where the game started throwing stuff at you? You're like, this is weird, or this is, I don't know what to do about this. Do you remember certain patterns or certain stages that were like that? Definitely the stage four boss. Everyone hates that thing, but <laughs> I, was, I was so bad at it. I just had to, I had to bomb spam it, but I wouldn't. So I just kept dying there over and over. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the final boss patterns, for some reason, I just couldn't wrap my head around. So some of those, some of the bosses just had really weird patterns compared to Toho. Because Toho is a lot more about flashy patterns than, I don't know, practical patterns. I feel like cave games especially will throw some pretty ugly and messy and filthy patterns at yeah. you sometime. You're like, 
Toho, I feel like I'm not a good Toho player. I haven't played too much, so I might be wrong. But I feel like Toho patterns, when you see them on screen, they're much more organized and they make sense to you visually. And it's like, okay, I know what this is. And then you'll get into DOJ or DDP and the boss just throws this mush of bullets at you. You're like, what the hell is this? How am I supposed to even deal with this? The Big B's curtain, I don't know if you guys know, but there's a boss before the TLB, the Big B in DDP. And he has these pink curtains of chunky bullets it throws at you. And it is the ugliest pattern ever. It's just overlapping itself. The bullets are really chunky and have huge hitboxes. And they're spinning in funky directions. And I usually bomb. But when I don't have bombs, I'm forced to try and dodge that pattern. I usually just pick a spot on the screen and just, okay, hopefully they open up here. Because visually, that pattern still makes no sense to me. Like, it's just... (laughs) <laughs> this ugly mass. Do you guys remember patterns like that you ran into? There that are a lot of ridiculous. really weird patterns on Mushi Original. I can if you see play that. that game, then <laughs> you'll you'll see a lot of very abnormal things. I think especially on the stage three boss. Some of that stuff is so weird. Although Ultra has some of the coolest looking patterns. Yeah, it's like the uh the stage four mid boss. The way that the the bullets just kind of line up as they move. It looks almost 3D. I don't know how they do it. I think it's with like the shadows on the bullets, but it just looks so cool. Yeah. So did you go to original mode in Mushi or did you go straight to Ultra? At first I went to Ultra, but then I backed off once I saw the TLB. <laughs> and then I'm like, uh, Maniac. Okay, so you never played too much original? Yeah, not a whole lot. Because I thought it'd be interesting to hear your your experience going from Toho to original Mushi, where it's just those lightning bullets flying at you. Yeah. If the bullet speed was like, what the wow. fuck? Wow. If it wasn't that bad. I did have, uh, I didn't play a whole lot of original, but when I did, I had a lot of trouble with bombing because I didn't have enough time to, to think, okay, I don't think I can dodge this. The gaps are too small yeah. because it was just like, there's a bullet and then you're dead. Yeah. You don't really have time to react to it. Or you do react to it. You think uh, the the gaps are wide enough. I can probably make it through, but because they're so fast, sometimes you just get clipped. So there's a some kind of false confidence there a lot of times since there aren't as many bullets. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Psycho games are like that for me too. Really late on bombing in those. So how about you, Mugler? Transitioning from Toho to uh, was Ketsui your first non-Toho shmup, or did you play something in between the two? I think I played a few things, actually, but CCWI was the first thing, I believe. So how was that? I assume that might be a little bit of a smoother transition. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it felt, like, super weird or anything. I think I made my uh, control scheme in that game, like, similar to a Toho one, too. Oh, yeah. I think I'd still play like that with for that game. So what are your guys' control schemes? I'm curious. For uh, what game normal. in particular? I just do yeah, the pretty game much. Layout. Do you guys play on a stick? Yeah. Keyboard or oh, you okay? I play on keyboard sometimes when I'm really lazy and uh, want to <laughs> plug my stick in. I use stick. Okay, so we're all stick players. That's funny. So, what are your guys' mm-hmm. button layouts then? Generally, I try to stick close to what Cave does. Okay. Like um, what is it? Oh yeah, in Devil Engine. I use C for shot, and then I I use A for speed chain. 
since you know when you hold that button you slow down in cave games and then uh i have b to burst since it's like a defensive like, like a bomb like a bomb yeah so that's how i have those set up i think i have an unusual setup but i'm not sure so i don't like my ring finger i don't i don't trust it i don't <laughs> think it's good so i don't use it so what i use is i use so t- the top left button Light Punch, Street Fighter player, top left. I use that just the regular shot, you know, the one you hold for beam and everything. And then for Rapid Shot, I use the second top button. So Medium Punch. That's my Rapid. And then Bomb is my thumb, which is the bottom left button. So I use two fingers and a thumb. I don't use my ring finger. What do you do in four-button games, then? (laughs) In four-buttons games, I put the fourth button on the second bottom button, so medium kick. Oh, gosh. So I still don't use my ring finger. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. Uh, Do you guys just do the the top three? The one, two, three? I have an eight-button stick, so I usually use the top four if it's a four-button game. Oh, okay, so you use... I use thumb if it's a four-button game. What is the bomb finger? What finger do you use for bomb, then? Middle finger. Middle. Middle? Okay, and then what are you using for rapid? Uh, ring finger. Oh, okay, so it's kind of ring. like shot, bomb, rapid? That's what Cave yeah. does, right? Uh, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I knew I had a funky setup compared to everyone else. <laughs> Although for Blue Revolver, I do shot, special, rapid, bomb. I don't know why, but I like bomb on my pinky in that game specifically. Oh, yeah. I could see that because you use the special shot so much. Yeah. Yeah. So what got you guys... Onto sticks, that's a good question because most Toho players are keyboard players and they remain keyboard players when they transition over, from what I found. I think I just thought it looked cool. Yeah. That was pretty much it. Also, oh, yeah, yeah. I was also, I wanted it so if I wanted to play on console, I think that might have been the main motivation, actually. I wanted to get a 360 for like Fatari Espicluda 2. That never ended up happening, but. I ended up getting a PS4 for shmups, so I guess it worked out in the end. That's the nice thing about... I guess these days there's things like the mix box and stuff if you want to still use keyboard. <laughs> I used fight yeah. sticks before I even played shmups, so it was pretty natural for me there. I, for the most part, used uh, keyboard. But the problem... See, this is actually why I wanted to get a stick so bad. Um, I had really bad ghosting on my keyboard. If I was doing a focus shot like Toho and I was trying to bomb, you couldn't bomb. So I would have to let go of shot. Oh, jeez. So there was just an extra step involved and I would die a lot. So I was like, okay, just stick, simple, no ghosting. And I actually ended up liking it a lot more than a keyboard. It took me like a week to get used to stick. But after that, I was like, this is pretty cool. Yeah, there's a kind of conversion period where. You're not very comfortable with either because you're trying to get used to the stick. But I think it's way worth it. I can play on both comfortably. I can't use keyboard now. I can't play on keyboard worth a damn. I do it more often than I expect to because sometimes I'm at work and I sneak in some games and stuff. But (laughs) I'm still not super good on keyboard for whatever reason. I can play definitely stick is my strong suit and then i can play on pad pretty well too but yeah i still struggle I, with keyboard I can't play on pad yeah i pad can't play pad either 
I'm kind of locked <laughs> in so. to stick now. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I feel like it's almost a generational thing where based on your introduction to shmups and your gaming background beforehand will more likely determine what you play on. People who grew up with them on the Saturn and Genesis, a lot of them are pad players because, you know, they use pads. And then people who discovered them through the arcade or had a background in fighting games or whatever, like myself, generally use stick. And then people who came in through Toho, a lot of the Toho players, or people who found it through emulation or tend to be keyboard players. Just from the people I've interviewed and stuff, that seems to be a pattern. Interesting. As a child, I was always a console player. Yeah, I was always a console player. So I always used pad, but it just didn't really feel natural at all to me in shmups. Keyboard felt a lot more natural. Stick felt a lot more natural. I don't really use keyboard for many games. A lot of the time I'm actually like really, really bad at using keyboard. But then there's like sometimes, well, with any shmup it's fine. But then like sometimes a couple other games that I'll just randomly be good at keyboard with for some reason. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, Kiwi, that there were some patterns like uh, in Mushi that really tripped you up and stuff. I definitely ran into stuff like that, too. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk about, I guess, if you had any learning moments that we can pass on to people who are struggling with these types of things. For instance, any pattern for like two years, any pattern that had intersecting lines or intersecting bullets for me, like a stage three in DOJ at the end where it has those two lines and they're intersecting and stuff or any patterns that had basically two parts you had to watch that was just death for me every time i was i could not handle that for a really long time did you guys have any similar experiences with, with maybe like intersecting patterns or patterns from diagonal angles or from up like up and down and stuff that you struggled toho. with and had to figure out some kind of solution for toho 60 marcation <laughs> that that one's a noob killer. So what does it do? It's the last spell card of the first boss. It's not really that hard, but just when you're new to the genre, basically it's a, it's a bunch of circles with bullets that pass through each other. And you have to like go through them as they move apart. But there's also a whole bunch of aim bullets that are shot at you. So you got to keep moving to the side to dodge those. Now going back to it, it's not all that hard, but I I could not dodge that at all in the, uh, when I first started. I would usually die or bomb there. Yeah. How about you, Mongler? I'm not sure, really. <laughs> Can't think of much. How about, I have one for you. How about the grenades on the tank in Ketsui, the boss? Did those give you any trouble? Because uh, they still give me trouble. Well... Which boss? Okay, so the second boss in Ketsui is a, a tank, and oh, it has these one. grenades. It's its final a- attack. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they fall to the bottom of the screen and explode, and then the bullets, you have to dodge them up and down instead of left to right. The bullets kind of sweep across the screen in the funky... Yeah, that one's super cool. ...funky direction. They explode when they hit the wall, although if you move the screen in the direction that it's shot a lot, it could hit the ground sure yeah but, did you have any trouble with that bad boy i don't remember really having any specific trouble with it no interesting hmm. see 
I was wondering if you guys had any moments where you kind of came up against something that you weren't sure how to overcome. You kind of had to think about it extra, kind of look at the genre a little differently to figure out how to proceed. I think like I had some experience with like games that required some dodging before, but none top down shmups mm-hmm. really. So some patterns that like aren't things that just fall down to the bottom of the screen. You have to read it and avoid it. Some that like come from other directions and stuff actually was just surprisingly good at <laughs> just because I had dodging experience from other games, but the dodging that's more specific to shmups I had to get good at. Interesting. So it sounds like for you, it, this type of thing felt pretty natural. It wasn't, you're, you felt yeah, like you're flinging yourself all over the screen and just praying not to get hit. Don't think the grenades gave me that much trouble. So I'll go ahead and talk about an example that came to that comes to my mind. So in stage three of DOJ, there's the mid boss where it's like that weird crab looking thing. So for a long time, I struggled for a very long time against that mid boss because I felt like I was just kind of dodging, panic dodging it. I was panicking whenever it had its final attack and I was just swinging around and like, okay, please don't hit me, please don't hit me. And then I would just try and stop before each bullets and stuff. And then I remember one day, you know, I safe stated that and just kept doing it over and over and over. And one day I realized I need to look differently. I need to look at the screen differently. I'm looking at my ship. I need to start watching the entire screen and like taking in the pattern as a whole. Then once I started doing that, I started like the way I looked at the screen differently really helped me because then I could, I felt like all of a sudden those bullets that seemed wild and chaotic before seem to slow down and seem to be more manageable just by changing how I looked at the screen. Did you guys have experiences like that where you're you're kind of changing the way you look at the screen or the way you analyze the patterns? I think from the get-go, I mainly like looked up fairly often because I knew it'd be easier to read bullets that way. Did you have any trouble coordinating? Let's say you're looking up and you're trying to dodge at the bottom screen, did you have any trouble coordinating your ship's movements as you're watching the bullets come down? I don't think so. I can't really remember. It's been a while. Yeah. How about you, Kiwi? Any moments like that? Um, Yeah, when I first started, I was definitely looking right at my hitbox, which was not a good idea. If anyone's getting into the genre, that's one thing they should try to fix right away. Look above your ship, not right at the hitbox. But since I was playing Toho Lunatic from the the get-go, I had to learn that pretty quickly because some things I just couldn't dodge unless I was paying attention to where the bolts were coming from. Yeah, I just had to learn that pretty quick so that I could continue. Did you have any moments where you felt like, especially since you're struggling against such a hard game right away, did you have any moments where you felt like you understood a concept while you were playing? It, it clicked for you. You're like wait a minute, this makes sense to me now. Any moments like that? At first, I don't think I quite realized how how to direct the aim bullets and stuff like that. But once I figured that out, I realized, wow, this game is not nearly as hard as I thought it was. Because especially on stage two, where I think that the fairies will shoot giant red walls at you, I would just be like running all over the place, and then I would immediately get walled by... Uh, uh, line of bullets 
once I figured out how important tap dodging is and misdirecting bullets, um, knowing where those enemies uh, spawn from, it just kind of clicked like, oh, I have to actually care about where I am on the screen. Exactly. I had a really weird approach to shmups at first where I tried to apply fighting game tactics to shmups to see if they would work or not. And so one of the tactics is footsies where you go back and forth, back and forth, you know, to kind of get people to bait out and stuff. I was trying to do that against bosses and stuff in DDP where I was trying to play footsies with them with my ship where I would go, I'd go back and forth, back and forth. That's actually not a good idea for people. Because what I was doing was I was mis- I was directing their fire towards me, and then I was moving into their fire, and then moving... Yeah, so yeah. it actually took me a long time to realize that when you're misdirecting fire, screen real estate becomes very valuable. Any open space on the screen is like money. You don't want to just blow your load right away and just move over, because then you trap yourself in a corner, so... That's actually how I figured out how valuable tap dodging is. One day I was like, okay, this left and right thing, up and down thing is not working. I need to, I need to hold still. And then I held still and just started slowly moving to the left. And all of a sudden those patterns became easier. I was like, okay, this totally makes sense now. So was that the, the first boss you were playing? I don't think it was a boss. I think it was a pattern in one of the later stages. The starting with the tanks. In stage five, yeah, I was trying to go back and forth, back and forth. Oh. And what you need, to, that's like the definition of tap dodging, is the start of that stage where you're just kind of oh. slowly moving across the screen. Then you move up, yeah. and you slowly move down. Yeah, do that. I don't know. I was trying to bum rush that stage, and it was, it was not working out well at all. <laughs> Did you guys have any experiences where you tried to apply some ideas or... Like you were trying to do things that you heard might work, but you were putting them in the wrong places and it ended up just not working out very well. Maybe after seeing some replays online of Mushi, where people would get up really close and point blank enemies, and then they would die right away because they were using Super Shot. I think that I tried that out and then would just keep dying because I didn't realize about the Super Shot mechanic. So I was kind of trying to apply trying to apply something I saw on the replay without really knowing the underlying reason for what they're doing. That's interesting too, because point blanking is another technique that definitely you need to kind of understand what's going on there. Yeah. Some, some games require you to do something different to do more damage. Yeah. And some games have bullet ceiling and some games do not have bullet ceiling. And so yeah, <laughs> I remember when I discovered bullet ceiling, I didn't even know what to call it at the time. I tried, I came up with some kind of weird term for it, intimidation or something. I was, I was trying to explain it. If you get close to the ships, they get scared of you and they won't fire. You, you intimidate them. <laughs> and so I would just start experimenting on different ship types of like, okay, all right, will he get afraid of me? I'll like fly over a tank. He's afraid. Then I'll fly over like a big red tank and just blast me. I'm like, okay, he's not afraid. So did you guys do any kind of thing like that of, discover point blanking and kind of experiment with when it works when it doesn't work stuff like that bullet ceiling in particular i did not realize i didn't understand the concept at the time so when i tried out crimson clover and uh i got to the end of stage one with all the turrets yeah that part would always (laughs) freak me out because i thought that they would just keep firing and they keep respawning every time you kill them (laughs) 
<laughs> so it took me a couple runs before I realized that, oh, wait, they stop shooting when you get close to them. And then I, that just opened up a whole bunch of possibilities because I realized that extends to all the tanks on the ground and stuff like that. Light bulb moment, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I might have understood bullet sailing like pretty much immediately because of that section, maybe. Yeah. Since CCWI was the first arcade game I played. And in Toho, like, not really much of a thing <laughs> in any of the games, even. There's actually a lot of bullet sealing in Blue Revolver. Yeah, pretty much all of the ships stop shooting once you get close. good now is we should talk about some concepts that we think would be useful for newer players to understand that aren't really that apparent to a new player. You kind of have to be experienced in the genre to know about, but I think making them aware would be useful. So uh, yeah, definitely the first one is the concept of bullet sealing, where when you get close to smaller enemies, usually they'll be afraid to fire at you or they, they won't fire at you. And so you can use that to manipulate chains. You can use that to focus on larger enemies by placing yourself on top of the small ones to say, okay, okay, chill while you blow up the bigger enemies and stuff. Any other concepts? So there's tap dodging. Do you want to explain tap dodging, Kiwi? Okay, so basically in a lot of games, there will be a lot of directly at. And if you move all over the screen, then... It'll flood the screen with bullets. It'll make things insanely hard. But um, what you need to realize is if you just tap to the side to get out of the way, then you'll avoid all of the bullets and it won't flood up the screens. Tap really slowly away from all of the end bullets and you won't have to deal with any of them. Yeah, and I also found that if you're dealing with a lot of fast bullets, especially when you start playing second loop cave games and stuff, I felt like tap dodging is all of a sudden very important because it really is effective on fast-moving bullets. Yeah. Do you guys agree there? You have to stream faster if it is the right. If they're fast. So why don't you explain streaming, Muggler? Well, that's a big thing with the different loops in Katsui. In uh, Omot, you can stream uh, way slower. In Uri, you have to stream extremely fast. So how would you explain streaming to someone? How does that work? When enemies fire aimed bullets, well, I think Kiwi basically explained it. It's basically the same thing, just different names for it. There's also restreaming, which I guess, like, you can't really call that tap dodging. <laughs> so what is restreaming? So when you uh, 
stream for a while, and then right at the end, you kind of misdirect the bullets and then go back through the other side. Would that be with certain patterns that... I know Cave always has these types of patterns where they have a bunch of popcorns coming down on you, and the popcorns just fly directly at you and drop bullets, and so you're using shot and you're killing them, but then their bullets kind of make this wave or cluster, and what I usually do, DDP has a lot of these, you you move downward and then you cut up and then cut through. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Mm. Sounds like it. Yeah, I think so. DFK does that a lot. Have you guys played a DFK much? Yeah. I played, I played it for a little early on. Yeah, I think it's stage three or four, the one that's in space before the turrets. I think it's three or four. That's three. That one has yeah. like three of those sections where it's just the popcorn's coming down and then you move, and one of them's really long. You move downward with them and then you have to find an opening where you cut upward and it kind of makes a gap and then you slide through and then you repeat. Is that kind of what you're talking about, Moglar? Yeah, I mean, it can also be with, like, just with bullets, though. Like, just misdirects a pattern at the end of your streaming, so you can slip through it and then go the other way. Like a really fast aim pattern, maybe, kind of thing? Yeah, something like that. Any any aimed bullets, really, you could do something like that with. So we have streaming and tap dodging. We have point blanking. Any other concepts that come to your guys' minds of something that newer players should think about? when they're getting into the games or that you found personally really helpful? Well, one thing that you should make sure to realize is that you shouldn't be intimidated by a game and not play it just because there there's what looks to be a thousand bullets on screen, something like that, because you just need to realize that you only have to bullet, dodge the bullets directly in front of you. Right. So a lot of them will completely miss you. So don't be afraid by the flashiness of some of the patterns. Yeah, that's a good concept to go over. It's learning when cut out, I guess what you could call like visual noise. There are certain patterns where they're they're trying to intimidate you with, you said, flashiness, where a lot of it is just noise and you don't even have to worry about that. And you just need to figure out the actual bullets you need to watch. Yeah, I remember I was playing, I think it was Toho 10, something like that. And there, I was doing some kind of really easy pattern. I forget which one it was. I think it was on the extra stage mid-boss, the first pattern on that one. And it's pretty easy. And someone saw me doing it, and they were just saying, like, how are you doing that? That looks impossible. And on that pattern, just like the entire upper half of the screen, two-thirds of the screen, is just like circling bullets, make, doing all kinds of fancy stuff. <laughs> but then on the bottom where you're actually dodging, it's just like a couple aimed chunks at you. So you're not really dodging any, any of that. That is So funny. it's just like, I, I'm not really doing anything. I'm just tapping away. I remember the, so, the, yeah. the boss of stage one of DDP has a pattern like that where it does the spinning turrets and then it has this pink ball essentially that spins out, spins off screen. You have to fly out of your way to get hit by it. And so... Yeah, that's a good another good example of it's just complete set dressing. It has no danger, really. Yeah, exactly. I bet this is something you have to deal with a lot in Ketsui, right, Muggler? Like, because there's so many bullets on screen. What bullets are important and which ones aren't? Yeah, probably. I mean, I haven't 
thought about it a ton in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Something that like came to mind instantly for some reason was like the stage four boss final where like the bullets, uh, the aimed bullets in that pattern go around the boss and like do this weird spinning oh, motion yes, before the they spinning. go aim at you. Yeah. It's, it's pretty weird. Like it when uh, later on in the pattern, like they spin pretty far outwards actually. So it forces you to go like closer to the walls and the ends of the screen really. You don't have to worry about it that much. I guess actually uh, with what I do in Loop 2, I actually have to worry about it quite a bit because I try to um, just avoid going through the blue patterns for several waves by just uh, spinning around it as quickly as you can. Yeah, I've never done the second the second version, just the first. Do you need to unlock to go fast enough? No. <laughs> if you unlock, it'll do no damage. So you just have to optimize spinning around oh, it okay. without... I didn't know if you had to do something janky like unlock, get around the first two-thirds, lock, unlock, and lock, depending on where you are. No, you, you definitely don't want to unlock. <laughs> okay. uh, that'll make the pattern <laughs> way harder because they have to survive way long. Yeah. That goes for most patterns. I think there's a really, really good example in Ketsui. The one where, I can't remember which boss it is, or if it's a mini boss. It's either in stage three or four. The one with the pink and blue bullets and they swinging side to side. And I think you even mentioned that you looked at Pazzy's replay and he just said to stick close to, I think it was the pink or one. I think the pink ones, are, I can't remember. Which oh, one. the the final of the stage three boss. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you just have to oh, ride the blue yeah. line. Yeah, that's a really good example. Yeah. Like, imagine, okay, you're just new to shmups. <laughs> yeah, it is. That that pattern <laughs> That pattern looks like completely impossible. It looks like the hardest pattern in the damn game, but once you know how to do it. Like, it looks harder than, like, like as hard as all of the Doom patterns, pretty much. It looks absolutely balls-to-the-wall crazy. Yeah, honestly, if you don't, if you're listening to this and don't know the pattern, just look up the... Stage three boss of Ketsui. All you got to do is stay next to the blue line. It's the third phase, the final pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if, like, no one figured out how to do that. <laughs> Everyone was just, like, doing the most insane shit. Just bombing. Bomb the shit. Well, oh, what, so what about hard. Europe players? They'd have to flail through <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See, so there's I mean, a really good example of a pattern where. Essentially, what Cave is doing is they're trying to intimidate you with how the pattern looks, but once you kind of solve its underlying behavior, it becomes much more manageable. It's a really easy pattern, but it looks like one of the hardest in the game. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a lesson that, for the listeners, when you come up against another one that's a really good example is the final attack, which is hard, of a stage 6 boss in DDP, the one where it has those pink walls that open and close and then the aimed spears that one yeah when i first saw that pattern i first fought it i was like this is the most stupid shit i've ever seen like what are you doing cave what are you just trying to take my money this makes no sense and i was a little salty about it for a while and then i talked (laughs) thought about it like okay let's break this pattern down and i started to realize okay the opening closing there's a rhythm to that So I don't need to watch the walls. I can just memorize the rhythm in which they open and close. And then I can just focus in on the spears and their behavior. 
So I think a really good lesson for newer players that are listening is don't be immediately dismissed by what the pattern looks like. Try to analyze its underlying behavior and analyze what it's actually doing and what you're doing uh, influences what it, it does. Yeah, a lot of patterns are actually, like entire boss patterns are aimed at you. So sometimes just changing where you are on the screen can make things a lot easier or harder. Yeah. Or how close you are to the boss too. Exactly. Yeah, there are certain patterns where once you understand, hey, it's actually safer to be closer rather than to back up and be up against the back of the screen. Because I think, you know, that's going to be your natural go-to position when you're a newer player. It's like, okay, I need to be backed up against the screen so I have enough time to react and everything. But one thing, not just reaction time, but another thing you have to be aware of is where you are on screen often influences what the enemies and boss are doing. And so, yeah, that's a, a good way to start is, okay, I don't know how this pattern works. Why don't I make a save state and just move around on screen and see what it does based on my movements? Yeah, that's actually a great idea. Yeah, find a, a like a sweet spot. I'm always looking for that sweet spot of, like, I'm in a weird area of the boss's aimed pattern. It can't really hit me here very well. So I think another concept that is, it's really basic, but I think we can kind of dig into it a little more is the concept of macro versus micro dodging. So why why don't you start off Kiwi explaining what a macro and a micro dodge is and the differences there. So a micro dodge is just going through the thick of a pattern, just making really tight dodges between bullets, stuff like that. But a macro dodge is get the heck out of the way dodge where you just run all the way around a pattern instead of going through it. So usually you'll have to macro dodge really wide walls of bullets thrown at you or something without a clear path through it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of bosses in cave games like uh, Mushi and stuff like that, you'll have to micro dodge through a lot of small bullets. Right. It's pretty much just going around a pattern versus going through a pattern. Yeah. Like that. And so here's the bigger question. In your guys' experience, what are kind of the criteria of when you think it's good to micro and when you think it's good to macro? Obviously, this is extremely situational, but if you can kind of just detail what the pros and cons of each is. I'd basically say if you can macro, then macro, because it's less risky. With micro-dodging, sometimes if you you have to, then, uh, or sometimes if you micro dodge instead of macro you can be in a better situation for your route you'll be under where some enemies spawn stuff like that but if Mm -hmm. you can completely misdirect an attack and just get out of the way then that's usually the better up Mm -hmm. yeah so can you guys think of scenarios that you've run into i can think of a few where at first you were micro dodging or at first you were macro dodging and then you realized wait this isn't the right way i need to switch to the other style Actually, yes. On the final boss of Mushihime-sama, on a maniac mode at least, and arrange, I realized that almost the entire phase of the final boss, the entire first phase of the final boss, can just be misdirected and macro-dodged. Actually, yes, the entire first phase can be uh, macro-dodged. So um, if you just stay to the side, to the left or the right of the boss, then 
on some of the attacks, like the long streams of bullets, then it'll just aim over to the side and you can just get completely away from it. For the lines that he shoots on the in the very beginning, you can just move all the way out of the way and just uh, keep dodging those. So you can actually completely avoid dodging anything in the first phase of the final boss. Yeah. It's funny, for me, it, this is almost like cliche, I guess, if there's such a thing, where I played a lot of cave games and micro-dodging is your friend in a lot of cave games. Then I played some Psycho games and I was trying to micro-dodge all these patterns in Psycho games and I was just getting wrecked yeah, it does not over <laughs> and over and over. I was like, these games are fucking wow. broken. That's why no one plays it. Then I realized, okay, wait a minute. I just need to mag- macro-dodge a lot of these patterns. Okay. It's starting to make sense now. Because I was trying to just weave through these... Re- in You know, hitboxes are much larger and gunbird and stuff like that. And hitboxes are just, like, huge compared to their size a lot of the times. Boxes in that game felt... Yeah. <laughs> I hate how it's right on her head, too. It's not centered like most shmup hitboxes. Right on her head. So she just head headbutts all the bullets. <laughs> Maybe that's why, why it felt bigger than the sprite to me. So that was a situation where I realized, okay, me trying to be swaggy and micro-dodging through these patterns is actually not a good idea at all. Yeah, you should be aware of what kind of game you're playing. Because some of them just don't allow for micro-dodging at all. Yeah, especially older shmups too. Another problem I have yeah. with older shmups is I try and micro-dodge through stuff where the game's like, uh-uh, that's not going to fly. Yeah, micro-dodging in R-Type. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Rolling Gunner is kind of uh It's a game where like you can micro a lot of the patterns, but a lot of them are stupidly hard to micro, and yeah. there's some, some strat that you probably would not think of very quickly where you can just macro it and make it way easier. Moglar, did you end up getting a clear of Rolling Gunner? I can't remember. I got a clear of, well, I got a clear of casual, but that's not really anything to brag about. Took me two attempts. I got a clear of original, though. Not a TLB clear. No expert clear. I haven't played the game that much since I got a clear. Although I did get a score pb in original actually by like 200 mil need to do some more runs of that so i think that's a really because i i played quite a bit of rolling gunner 2 and for whatever reason i really struggle with rolling gunner if i feel like are are you trying to micro dodge everything probably that's probably one reason why i struggle because i feel like i want to get your feedback on this because i kind of feel like i don't understand that game very well the damn screen is too huge. It's a 16 by 9 screen. The sprites are small, though, and it's just full of bullets and stuff all over the place. And so, yeah, I just feel, especially in the later stages... Enemies coming from behind yeah. you and shit. You just sit, you sit on a part of the screen and then and, and it, you just suddenly die and you're like, what the fuck killed me? <laughs> and then you realize, you see like yeah. a billion, like, Zako enemies coming from exactly where you're sitting. You're like, why? Yeah, and in that game, that happened to me a couple times. It's pretty bad. In most shmups, I feel like okay, when I'm playing, this is another good piece of advice. I always try and keep a part of my brain focused on 
where is where am I trying to go? What is my goal? Where what part of the screen am I trying to get to? Or you know, like what part? You know what I mean? Rolling Gunner, where do you go? The whole screen is enemies, just all over the place, and so it's pretty hard uh, bullet pattern wise. Honestly, a lot of yeah. patterns are quite hard, but. Yeah, the bombs are very, very strong. Uh, you get an auto bomb to, that depletes all your bombs, just in case if you do get hit. You've got uh, hypers for a bunch of bullet cancels over the course of the run. And so, for you guys, what part of shmups are the hardest for you? Like, what you know what I mean? Like, what aspect of the genre that is hardest for you specifically? that you can think of. For me, I struggle with patterns that have a lot of horizontal dodging, the grenades and stuff, where you have to dodge both side to side, and but then up and down. Those I still kind of struggle, like my eyes still struggle to follow patterns that have a lot of horizontal dodging in them. I'm not very good at dodging stuff that's below me. Ah. Uh. Oh yeah, like in Crimson and Clover, where it comes up behind you in that one stage. Yeah, I, I hate that part. <laughs> I, I, uh, maybe I could agree with that. Yeah, made me think of uh, uh, stage Doom four phase. It made me think of Doom Phase Two. Oh okay. Like um, the pattern, like there's the red bullets that come from the top missiles, and then the blue uh, walls that come from the bottom. Which is kind of readable. And then on round two of it, it flips around. And the red bullets are from coming from the bottom. And the blue walls are from the top. And it is impossible to read. Luckily, you, you don't actually have to dodge it at all. <laughs> but I've tried it just for fun. And holy hell, it is the most unreadable shit I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I think the pattern that is still to this day my kryptonite where... If I don't have a bomb, I'm just dead. Is the blue swarm, I don't know what to call it, the blue bullet pattern of Bocce. So it has the first pattern, which is like, it just throws a bunch of spam at you. And then the second, it drops these blue swarming little bullets. I'm sure you guys might know what it is. Yeah. So Pearl and Jamers, I talked to them about this. Like, guys, how do you deal with this? Because they can get through it pretty consistently. And they're like, well, you just kind of move down here and dodge stuff and i'm like i can't understand how to dodge this pattern so yeah that's another one that seems hard to no miss no bomb but like no miss one bomb no missing it didn't seem that bad to me yeah most most players do end up bombing it but there's times where i'm out of bombs no miss no bombing it seems pretty hard yeah it's funny it's it's funny is that one of the Patterns that speeds up at the end. Too. Yes. Yep. They all do pretty <sighs> much. Hibachi is so bad with that. Every fucking pattern just speeds up at the end and becomes a complete myth. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you need like one bomb for every pattern in that fight, or at least I did. I've I've have some experience with that boss just because of my TLB addiction. And that's the general advice most players give: is you dodge most of the pattern, you bomb at the you bomb at a certain point to where. Yeah, it's basically the bomb ends the pattern. What's funny is, okay, I'm getting on tangent here. What's funny is I found that you can actually do a strategic suicide on that blue pattern. Because if you kill yourself kind of early-ish in the pattern, but not too early, 
you get a really fat point blank on hibachi. Huge. Yeah. They probably did not expect you to do that. And so usually I'll just murder myself on that pattern anyway, which is another reason why I never dodge it. But the other day, I just had to get through that pattern, and I probably could have got the clear because it had a really uh. slow final pattern. I just had to get through that pattern, and he's and I'm going into I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm going to dodge this pattern. I've never dodged it in my life, and I didn't. Yeah, so there was a situation where had I been able to dodge it, it might have been in the clear. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about a lot of the technical aspects of getting good at the genre. Now here's a, a larger conversation that I've actually had with people in my Discord and stuff in the past. Okay, outside the game, not in the game, what is some advice you guys have staying with the genre to be able to enjoy it, you know, outside gameplay-wise? Or some not advice. in the game, or, in the brain. Yeah, in the brain. Like, what's <laughs> some advice you guys have? The shmup community is really nice. I mean, I guess you could talk to people about shmups, uh, figure out some things you haven't heard of before, maybe figure out, uh, learn of some games you've never heard of before. Really good. Yeah, I think one reason why I'm as invested in the genre as I am is definitely because of my podcast and talking with all the players. Because I remember when I first started two or three years ago when I was playing, I was getting one-alls, barely, and I was like, okay, this is probably the end of the line for me. I'll never get better than this. I'll just accept getting one-alls and call it a day. Like, that's just as far as I'm going to go in this genre. And I probably would have ended up that way had I not become more involved in the community and talking to super players and talking to other players. And you kind of get, like, the, the inspiration to continue to play and to get better. I think you can't understate how important interacting with your fellow players is it really does give you a, a whole lot more knowledge confidence and interest to continue playing yeah and especially because there's usually no one to talk about uh to talk with about this kind of stuff because the genre still isn't very mainstream at the moment oh yeah as far as i'm aware the only person in my entire state that plays shmup seriously so yeah about the community i'm just in the middle of nowhere playing these games. <laughs> I don't actually talk with other people that much, though I probably should. Really like reach out to people, talk yeah. to them very often. I don't know of many like places where people like a bunch of people talk really. Yeah. There's Elixir's Shmup Discord. It's about it. Yeah, that's mainly what I use. So outside of direct interaction with other players, what are some other out of game ways to get more invested in the genre or to learn more about the genre that you guys have found helpful. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I also don't watch his replays very often. I feel like I should watch them more often though, because usually I enjoy them. It's just, I don't know. One thing also is like when I take a break from shmups or something to like do whatever else, I, I usually feel way more motivated to play shmups for some reason. I can understand that. Any other ideas, mm -hmm. Kiwi, that let's say in, through your shmup education, you're getting into the genre that you found were kind of good ways to help you either maintain your interest or... Because, I mean, you guys have some ridiculous achievements already, like the Devil Engine, <laughs> the Blue Revolver, and then Moglar's murdering Ketsui. 
pretty exceptional how far you guys have come so quickly. So where's that motivation coming from? <laughs> I think that mainly my motivation just comes from a love of the genre or a love of the games that I'm playing specifically. I can't really build up the motivation to do anything spectacular in a shmup unless I really like the game that I'm playing. Yeah, I'm saying um, right now. I'm, yeah, right now I'm kind of looking for the next game that really catches my interest. But I think that what kind of keeps you going is just finding the game that you really like. I think that's a good point to point out to listeners too, because I feel like in a way this is might be a little controversial for me. There's a certain type of shmup that I like, and there's other types of shmups that I'm kind of like eh, about. And growing up, I played the wrong shmups. Like, Raiden, Raiden's a great game and everything, but it's not for me. But in my mind, shmup equaled Raiden. So the entire genre, to me, was Raiden. So I'm like, eh, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. And I feel like I'd never played a cave game. I probably wouldn't be that into shmups even now. And I've known players who, cave games are not their jam. They like older style shmups, or we all have different preferences for the subgenres. So I think that's a really good piece of advice for the listeners is, Let's say you play Ikaruga and you're like, wow, this isn't all it's chalked up to be. Maybe think about trying other shmups within the genre that are a little different. Yeah, trust me, Ikaruga is not for everyone. Yeah. I really like that game, but I know a lot of people who don't. I struggle with it. And I finally pinpointed why I don't like Ikaruga. Figured out why. It took me years. It's because I don't like waiting around for the, the different enemy patterns and stuff. Especially in the first two stages, you do a lot of waiting around. Like, you shoot three things, wait, four things appear. You shoot four things, wait. Like, I have too much ADD for that. That's why I like cave games, probably, because I need constant shit flying at me at all times. <laughs> like, that's what I enjoy. Just, fl- <laughs> just flail around in between every pattern. Yeah, like Ketsui or <laughs> DDP, DOJ, just... And, you know, I like Garega, and I'm opening up to a lot of different shmups, but... That's one thing I really struggle with is shmups that make me wait around or make me like hang out too much. Yeah, Ikaruga likes to be pretty cinematic. Yeah, exactly. 